0: Well, good morning, Metro Believers Church. Mm-hmm. I'm certain that a few of us can relate to that video just a little bit, okay? Uh, maybe maybe not you, but obviously Vicki and I, you've heard our story. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Hey, thanks for being here today, um, and welcome to part two of Family Life um, here at Metro Believers Church. We're talking about family. We're talking about all sorts of different aspects of the family. If this is your first time here, we're honored that you have come our way. And if you're looking for a church home, we'd love to have you. Um, We do have a free gift for you. If you stop at the Information Center, we'll get you that gift and just welcome you here. Hey, if you don't have one of our outlines, slip up your hands and our ushers will get you one. Um, If you need a writing utensil, you can do that as well. You can fill in the blanks as we go along. Um, But needless to say, I'm pretty jazzed about today's talk. I love this stuff. I love talking about marriage. I love talking about the interaction and interplay of marriage. Um, none of us are perfect. We all have issues that, that uh, you know, sometimes you hit that, that sort of sweet spot. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Where things just sort of sail along well, and then all of a sudden the bottom falls out, and you don't know what happened. It's like my wife was abducted by aliens. And her brain was filled with gummy worms, right? Not her, not her. I, I'm saying just in general, just so you know, okay? Um, and so yeah, li- life life all of a sudden gets crazy, and things you know sort of sort of get difficult. Uh, two weeks ago, I started talking about family life, and uh, up on the roof, there's I think there's a song about up on the roof, right? Um, but I talked a little bit about raising kids in the game of golf and some of the similarities. And if you weren't here, you can pick up the notes at the information center. Uh, It wasn't recorded, so you can't listen to that talk. Um, And I don't know if you've noticed or not, but family life, family life for a lot of people doesn't really look very good right now. It doesn't seem to be working very well. As you look around you, if you're like me, I I don't know about you, but it breaks my heart when I look at uh, marriages and relationships and families um, around us and see how they're strategically being dismantled by the enemy, and it just destroy it just really, really breaks my heart. Uh, marriages, even Christian marriages, are, are just under extreme attack. Um, it's, you know, the enemy's doing his best to work overtime. Christian families are experiencing chaos and conflict at an unprecedented pace, um, and I, I, you know, I've been doing this for well over 40 years uh, in terms of marriage and in ministry, almost 40 years, and I've watched over the years couples that seem to be doing well and um, turn around for a few seconds, turn back around and see their marriage destroyed and divorce happening, and uh, the only way I think that it changes and Vicky and I had to learn this the hard way, is to address it head on, is to really deal with it, deal with those issues head on, not by sticking our proverbial head in the sand. Uh, so that's why I felt like it would be a great time to talk about this, okay? Great time to investigate some of these things and share some concepts and principles that I think um, will help um, and add value to each of our lives. Like I said before, if, even if you're not married and you're single, you can take these principles and concepts and add them to your life um, and see fruitfulness as a result of that in every relationship. So for the next few weeks, I just wanted to share my heart. Um, I'm thinking in maybe three or four weeks or so. Um, so I want to share my heart to help you, those of you that are married specifically, um, stay married for a lifetime. Did you know that's one of my primary goals in life uh, is not to pastor the biggest church in the city, is not to, you know, be famous, is not to, you know, have all the accolades of men, uh, is not to have stuff. One of the primary goals of my life is to stay married to her for a lifetime, uh, not, to, not to end up as a, a statistic, right? Um, but to actually, you know, finish strong. Finish well, how many of you know it's easy to start well? Yeah. A whole nother ball game to finish well. And so my goal is to stay faithful and to never cheat on her and to stay married to her for a lifetime, whether that's 50 years or 60 years or 70 years, uh, whatever the Lord gives us, um, to stay married for a lifetime. So we're going to dig into the word and find out how to overcome what the enemy Everyone say the enemy what the enemy wants to accomplish in our lives. And I just want you to realize that there's something at work here. There's the enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And one of those aspects of your life is your marriage, your relationships, your family, okay? And, And I believe that God has a better plan, right? I believe that he has a plan that helps us understand how to have a strong and a vibrant marriage, and strong and vibrant relationships. A lot of people ask me, you know, and pastor, what, 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 what is the key? What is, what's the secret sauce for, you know, eliminating the problems in my marriage? <laughs> uh, yeah, how uh, many not even know. There's no secret sauce in eliminating problems. Uh, because problems exist, difficulties exist, frustrations exist, conflict exists in every single marriage relationship. Period. It's it's not eliminating them, it's finding out how to walk it out. It's finding out how to deal with things when they happen, right? And how to how to figure out a way through it. Because it's going to happen. Chaos difficulty, conflict is inevitable. And if you haven't experienced any of that, probably you haven't been married real long. <laughs> but, but if you've been married for a while, chances are you know what I'm talking about because there is no such thing as a problem-free marriage. Just mark it down. So the first question we need to, I think, ask, ask ourselves is who, everyone say who, who's building our marriage? Who's building our family? Who's building our relationships? Is it you? Is it your parents? Is it, you know, a friend, a co-worker, colleague? Who's building your marriage? Well, the Bible gives us some insight to what that should look like, In Psalm 127, I read it up on the roof. Actually, John read it up on the roof. Um, And just the beginning portion of that text, um, actually shows us, I just lost my spot here, sorry, Um, shows us the beginning portion of that, and it says this, unless the Lord, what, builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Wow, uh, pretty, pretty interesting stuff. So the question is, who, everyone say who, who's building your house? Is the Lord building your house? Is the Lord building your family? Is the Lord building your relationships? Well, so, t- so today we're going to actually start by building a strong foundation. Um, I found out that great marriages, great relationships are no accident. How many of you know that? It, it, it it's not like you, you know, you pick the right person, you know, and you walk down the aisle. It's perfect, like they were talking about. That's it, a perfect day. It's a perfect man. It's a perfect woman, and you go down the aisle. And because of that, everything's just perfect throughout the rest of your life. No, it doesn't work that way. How many of you know that? It's great. Marriages are no accident. It's it they happen on purpose. They happen on purpose. And several years ago, Vicki and I um, had a decision to make, actually around 40 years ago, about two or three years into our marriage. Had a decision to make. were, Were we going to continue to fight and destroy each other? Or were we going to put God's Word into practice and change our marriage landscape? Every one of us have a marriage landscape that are married. We have a landscape. You know what I'm talking about. In other words, the way it looks. You know, you have your bushes and your trees and your grass. Uh, and for some, the grass is like two feet tall, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and bushes are dead, and, you know, the trees are, you know, unkept and so on and so forth, and, and we had a decision to make. We sort of looked at our marriage and realized it was, it was not pretty. The landscape was not pretty. And, you know some people come over to our house today and they look at our landscape, and matter of fact, the person that just bought our house loves our house and our landscape, and they're just thrilled at how beautiful it is in the backyard and the trees we planted, and they're going on and on and on. How many of you know it took work to get there? That's right. and, and the same thing was true with Vicky and I back in the day, we looked at our landscape, and we, it wasn't pretty. How many of you know a, a a property or a yard or a house whose landscape is a mess? Let me see your hands. Okay. Not talking about marriage. I'm talking about r- for real a landscape. Yeah. And so yeah, it's yeah, it just it just needs some help, right? It needs some help. And so if if the only way it's going to change is if we are totally intentional about making the changes in our marriage that I think can last a lifetime. Because if we're not intentional, everyone say intentional. Think about that word and what it means. If we're not intentional, it will never change. There's no magic wand here. There's no, we'll wake up someday and it'll be just great. It, It has to happen by intentionality. It has to happen by us rolling up our sleeves and getting busy. Because more of the same will not bring change. Always remember that. More of the same will not bring change. You can continue to to do what you always, you know, have done, and you'll continue to get what you've always got. More of the same will not bring change. As a matter of fact, Jesus, Jesus spoke to this in Matthew chapter 7, And I want us to grab a hold of this concept today in teaching. Matthew chapter 7, it says, anyone, how how many of you know that includes you? Huh? Does that include you? Let me see your hands. Nod your head. Look, okay, good. All right. So we're talking to you, all right? And me, anyone who listens to my teaching, how many of you are listening today? And how many of you believe this is God's teaching? Let me see your hand. Okay, so you're accountable now, all right? Uh, You're accountable. So anyone who listens to my teaching and, underline that, follows what? Follows it. Do what? Follows it. Or there's several translations you could go into. Does it, puts it in practice, yada, yada, yada. Or anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise. How many wise people do we have out there? How many want to be wise? Okay. That means you follow what you hear. In other words, you're a doer, not just a hearer. Everyone say doer, not hearer. So, So you hear and you follow it, and the Bible says that you're like a wise person or a wise husband or a wise wife or a wise parent if you will. And we could go on and on about what that looks like. A wise employee, a wise employer, a wise friend, whatever. Whoever listens to my word or teachings and follows us like a wise person, who then there's a parable, there's a there's a, there's an illustration or a metaphor. Who builds a house, their house on a solid rock, and th- though the rains come in, in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because in other words there's a reason because it was built upon bedrock it was built upon the who can help me now the rock or the help me the word say in other words who's who's building your house who it was who's building your marriage? Who's building your family? Who? Who? You have to look in the mirror and reconcile that question. And then it goes on and and sort of gives us some insight into a whole nother part of the equation. And I think there's a lot of people, including myself from time to time, that find myself right here. But whoever hears or listens to my teaching and help me, what does it say? Doesn't obey, in other words, you come to church or you listen to your podcast or you read your Bible or whatever, and, and you hear something, and the Holy Spirit touches your heart with it. And then you walk away doing nothing. Everyone say nothing. You walk away doing nothing with it. I mean, you know you should. You know it would be a good idea, perhaps you even know it would be helpful, but you don't do anything with it. You don't, you, don't, you know, say, doggone it, I'm not going to do that tomorrow, I'm going to do this instead. I'm not going to respond this way, I'm going to respond this way instead. So you hear God's Word, you hear the principles of God, and, and you just don't do anything with it. That's what it says. Doesn't obey. The Bible says you're a fool. You're foolish. Why? Why are you foolish? Because here's what I've seen. I've seen people come to church and go home. Come to church and go home, and and expect things to change because they came to church, (laughs) or because they read their Bible. It's just going to change. You know, I'm I'm a member of Metro Believers Church in good standing. (laughs) I tithe, I, you know, serve, and because of that, everything's just going to be all right. I'm just going to, it's just going to be perfect. No, those are all great things. Don't misunderstand me. You know when it's going to change is when you do something with it, when you put it into practice. And again, I'm talking about every dimension of life, not just marriage. Whoever, whoever hears my words and doesn't obey it is like a fool, they're foolish. They, in other words, they deceive their own hearts. And you know what I'm talking about. Why? Because you expected it to change because of X, Y, and Z, but it didn't. Then the foolish part is, is, you, is you get mad at God, and you start blaming him. It's like, God, what's up? Why is he acting like this, like a nut? <laughs> and why doesn't he put, like the video, his dishes in the dishwasher? You know, what's wrong with him, right? And the foolish part is you just expect it to happen because, like I said, you read your Bible or you came to church or you tithe, but you didn't obey it specifically. You didn't put some of this stuff, like I said, into practice. And, and the consequences of that is the person who built this house on the sand, the metaphor again. When the rains came and the floods came and the winds beat against the house, it did what? Huh? What did it do? It, it collapsed or it fell. And with a mighty crash, it fell hard in other words. And, and we've, seen, we've seen marriages. You've seen marriages. You know people that ended up with a mighty crash. It breaks my heart. I've watched this over the last 40 years. It just destroys my, it breaks my heart when I see marriages and families destroyed and fall with a great crash, collapse, and the hurt and the heartache that comes along with that, and the long and far-reaching aspects or consequences of those actions or we could say inactions. It just breaks my heart. Now notice in the text, the same circumstances happened to both people, right? It happened to each person. The rains came, the floods, the winds. In other words, the same circumstances happened, but the end results were different. Everyone say different. How many of you want your life to be different? Different. How many of you want your marriage to be different? See, that's what we're called to is something different. And that only comes by intentionality. See, the same thing happened. But but the end results were different based on whether or not. Hear me now. Whether or not the person obeyed God's teaching or not. What are you doing with God's Word? What are you doing with what you've heard? What are, you, are you just a hearer or are you a doer? And I, I, don't misunderstand me. None of us are perfect. I'm not trying to set myself up as a perfect illustration of this idea. I'm telling you, the fact is that there's nothing really going to change until we get busy. Amen? It's critical for each one of us to make a decision. Everyone say Decision and act or put into practice God's Word for our marriages and our families and our relationships. So today, I want to share some basic principles that will help you and I believe add value to your life and marriage. Currently, the odds are stacked against us from the moment we walk down the aisle. Some of you have just been recently married. Some of you have been married for a long time. Currently, the odds are stacked against us from the moment we walk down the aisle to be married. National statistics, whatever you read, some say around 50% or one out of two marriages will end in divorce by at least year 20, which is crazy. How can you be married for 20 years and then say, see ya? Wouldn't want to be ya, kind of a thing. You know, I mean, do you really want to train another person <laughs> after all that? <laughs> Vicky and I have said that to each other. Hey, no way. I'm, I'm, I'm not about to take the time to train another person. <laughs> yeah. So the odds are stacked against us. But there, I, read a, I read a survey years ago that just tricked my trigger. A Harvard This Harvard study, and some of you have heard me share this, that was done several years ago, revealed that only one out of 1,246 couples got a divorce. How many of you like those odds? One. Out of 1,246 couples got a divorce. If, if, everyone say if. If. Say it real loud, say if. if. If, if they did just three simple things on a regular basis. Here they are. Here they are. You ready? One, pray together. Two, read the Bible together. And three, go to church together. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Sounds simple. Yeah, but here's the deal. You think about, you think about, what that actually means and what it takes to get there. I mean, think about, think about reading the Bible together. You know, most couples are like, you go to your corner, I go to mine. <laughs> and don't talk to me about what you read, I won't talk to you about what It's private. It's personal, right? And they can't, and then they, if they ever do talk about it, they argue. You know, they argue over the insights, But when you're able, listen to me, listen to me. It sounds so simple, but it's profound. When you're able, as a husband and a wife, or as a friend, those of you that aren't married, okay, when you're able to pray together, I mean, sit down and pray about stuff together. How many of you know that that jumps over a bunch of hurdles? (laughs) When you can pray, when you can pray with your spouse, And I'm not talking about rub-a-dub-dub, thank you for the grub kind of prayer. I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about sitting down and praying together about life, about situations, about circumstances, about problems, about frustrations, about difficulties. When you can pray together, when you can read your Bible together... And share insights and get excited about that and, and encourage one another in the word. And you go actually go to church together and serve and give and all that stuff. Only one, everyone say one. One, one out of 1,246 couples get a divorce when they do that together. I don't know about you, but I like those odds. So Vicky and I have over the last 43 years, well, probably. Probably the last thirty-five years. <laughs> the first eight, we were still trying to figure all this stuff out, and we still are. Okay, yeah. She was arguing with me yesterday. And I had to straighten her out. <laughs> <laughs> Dan and Robin thought we needed counseling. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Over a poke chop <laughs> at Dave's house. Yeah, poke, ch- poke chop was good. So, so yeah, so y- yeah. Listen, listen. It's been said that marriage can be the closest thing to heaven on earth, but it's also been said said that marriage can be the closest thing to well, you can finish it out, okay? Uh, hell on earth. Is it really 11:07? That ought not be. So. I'm only on page six of 18 pages, just so you know. <laughs> just so you know, okay? So when you say go for it, I guess the Packers aren't playing today, aren't they? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Cowboys are at 330. How many of you know they won the other night? Woo-hoo! Come on, Packers. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, obviously I won't get done, done with this today, but we'll, we'll come back. We'll talk about this. Is this okay? Okay, do I have your permission? All right. No? To, to come back and talk about this if I don't finish it today? All right. So, so yeah, what, what, what is the difference? What makes the difference? What makes the difference? You got marriage can be the closest thing to heaven on earth. And some of you have experienced moments of that in your relationship. But you've also experienced the other side of that equation. It's like hell on earth. It's like, it's like you know, battle royale. It's like, you know, survival of the fittest, right? And this whole idea or equation. Um, so, but here's the difference. The difference is, is what you put into it and how hard you're willing to work. You want me to spell marriage for you? Let me, let me spell it. How, how would you spell it, Kristen? Marriage. So spell it for me. M-A-R-R-I-A-G-E, right? How would you spell it, Ken? I'd probably put um, S E L F. Not S-E-X, S-E-X. S-E-X, don't go there. Okay? No, I said there's kids, there's kids here, okay? L-E-S-S. Oh, self? Selfless. Selfless, okay. Uh, those are those are good. Anybody else? Daniel? How do you spell marriage? L-O-V-E, all right. Becky, what do you think? Oh, I was go <laughs> okay, add an I-N-G, okay. Mandy, what do you think? How do you spell marriage? T-R-U-S-T. Trust, that's good. How about you, Allison? S-A-C-R-I-F-I-C-E. S-A-C-R-I-F-I-C-E, okay. All right, David, how about you? How would you spell it? T R U S T. Brendan, how about you? E A S Y. E A S Y. Wow. (laughs) Wow. We need to go. We need to go spend some time with Brendan. (laughs) Wow. So I'm. I'm going to spell it. The the last three word, third word from the end. W O R K. Because here's the deal, if you don't work at it, you're not going to have trust, you're not going to have the ability to sacrifice, even though all those are great, don't misunderstand me. And, and they're part of my notes, you've been reading my notes, okay. So here's the deal, you, you've got to learn to work at your marriage. We work at everything else. Some of us love to work in the yard, some of us love to play golf. You know, disc golf, I know. We've got a big disc golf person in our church. And some of you love different, you have different hobbies, you love to fish, you work at it, you've, you're good at it, you, you learn, you practice, you, you know, we've got fly fishermen in our church that are phenomenal. They practice, they work, they work, they work. Some of you are great at your job. You know, you, you're, you've excelled, you've been promoted, you've, you know, you've got the accolades of man. What are you doing with your house? what are you doing with your home? Are you working as hard at building a strong, vibrant, incredible marriage, life-giving marriage? Or is that sort of getting put on hold while you commit yourself to everything else in your life? See, it's got to become a priority. This has to become a priority. You have to be willing to do, and I'll give you these three things and we'll, we'll be done, okay? You have to be willing to do what A farmer would do. There's a story that that I'll end with about a guy, a farmer who bought this piece of property that was horrible, in horrible shape. You know, the shutters were crooked, the grass was two feet tall, The you know, hadn't been painted in 50 years. It was just, you know, patches of paint here and there. You know, the, the fences were falling down, the gate was crooked, you know there was, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff going on around. It was just in really bad condition. And so this farmer bought it and he w- worked. Everyone say worked. Work. He worked. He worked hard. He put what he knew into practice. He got up in the morning and he worked and he worked and he worked and he worked. and He painted it. And he put the shutters on straight. And he mowed the lawn. And he fertilized it. And he weed did weed killer. And he, and he, you know, pre- repaired and mended the fence, and it became beautiful. One day, one of the neighbors drove up, and parked the truck, and walked over to the farmer with a little piece of straw hanging out of his mouth. Can you see it? Yeah. And he said, my, 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 this looks beautiful. He said, my, 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 God sure has been good to you. And the guy looked around, looked at the guy and said, yeah, but you should have seen it when he had it by himself. (laughs) How many of you know things don't just happen? It takes work. And the three farming principles I want to give you is in your notes there that I think apply to marriage. Marriage is hard work. Hard work, rolling up your sleeves, getting sweaty. To, to give you a, a metaphor, you know, an idea. Hard work, commitment, and sacrifice. Those three things that to, it, it that it that it caused that farmer to turn that little piece of property around into something of beauty. It's the same thing It's going to take your marriage to become a thing of beauty. It is possible. It is possible for you to have a phenomenal marriage. It is possible for you to have a phenomenal family. It is possible for you to have phenomenal relationships. But you have to be willing to do your part. See, God doesn't just work on his own without you involved in your life. He wants you to do what you can do, and then he'll do what he can do. Amen? Amen? He yeah. wants you to trust him. And, and, and when you're getting ready to say something that's hurtful or demeaning, that you take your words and pull them back into your mouth and you say, I'm not going to say that because I know what it's going to do. Amen? I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to respond that way. I'm not going to live this way. I'm not going to treat her like this. I'm not going to treat him like that. I'm going to change my life for the glory of God. See, God didn't call you together to make you happy. He called you together to make you holy. And marriage is the best place to be able to work that out. It's the greenhouse, as it were. For holiness, work getting worked out in your life. Man, I'm telling you, when you get up and you're facing the same person every day, and, warts and all, right? <laughs> and and you learn how to work with that and respond to it appropriately and love that person in spite of their warts, it'll change your life. It'll help you experience all that God has for you. Let's stand to our feet. Has this helped anybody or is it just me? All right, so let's, let's have the worship team come up. Next time we come back, we'll look at some things that I think are foundational, and we'll just build this out. Key, the key for today is who's building your house? Is it you reliving your parents' See, Vicky and I, neither of us had any good models in our lives. Both of us came from broken homes. My dad cheated on my mother countless times. I think when he passed away he was on either the fourth or the fifth wife. We found out something on his deathbed that made us think maybe it's five. <laughs> but thankfully, he surrendered his life to Jesus before he died, and he's in heaven, Amen. even in spite of all that. But it created a lot of hell here on earth and hurt. But neither one of us, neither one of us had a good model, did we, babe? She didn't. Her mom, dad was divorced. It, it, was an ugly, it was an ugly landscape. And we, just so you know, even as Christians, we're destined to repeat that. Unless, everyone say unless. Unless, unless we chose something different. Yes. And worked hard at becoming a doer of God's word. Rather than putting it in cruise control or autopilot. And just expecting, we're Christians, it'll be great. Hey, I mean, no, Christians, you're going to go to heaven. Doesn't mean you're not going to experience a whole lot of hell down here. Okay? Until you start walking it out and living it and letting God mess with you. Let's bow our heads. God, I honestly thank you for all that you have done in Vicki and I's life. And you know we haven't arrived. I know there are people here or watching live stream who are hurting. The landscape doesn't look really, really good right now. God, I ask you by the power of the Holy Spirit, But first of all, give them hope. Help them know that you are able to make a way where there seems to be no way. That you're able to turn that situation around into something good. You're able. Can we all just say that? Say, God's able. One more time, let's say it together. One, two, three. God, you're able. You're able to turn our homes and marriages families around. God, I pray that first you give them hope, second, that you give them a heart and a, and a willingness and a commitment to roll up their sleeves and get busy say, I'm going to get to work here with God's help. I'm going to do what I can do, what the Word says. What the Bible tells me to do. Not what the Bible tells them to do. Help us not to try and read someone else's mail and point fingers at how the other person's failing. But help us to take personal responsibility for our lives to become a doer of your word with respect to us. Now the accountability side. How many of you here today would say, I just really feel like you've hit the nail on the head in some of the areas of my life, and I really need prayer, and I want to change? If that's you, slip up your hands your hands, just slip them up, good, excellent all over so Lord, uh, that shows the desire to have you help That accountability side of them saying I, I'm in, I need some help in some of these areas and I'm not all that shows you that you're being invited into their situation gives you permission God to mess with them to visit to show to reveal to encourage. So Lord we we ask you now to do what only you can do On each individual level you should visit each person. Say, so you know, you could change this here if you just did this. And you can change this here if you just did that. And if you didn't respond that way, it would make a difference over here. And all of those little nuances of life and relationship, we invite you into. Come, Holy Spirit. We can't, the best we can do is fail. But with your help, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And with your help, we're more than a (laughs) conqueror. Because greater is he who lives in us than he that lives in the world who's trying to destroy and kill and steal. So God, we just lay this before you now and we ask you to breathe the breath of the Holy Spirit on every single person who invited you in. Jesus name let's just take a few minutes and just worship the Lord